All right, Dad, are you ready to play a game? I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to give you three quotes. We're going to see if it takes you three quotes to figure out what movie I'm going to be talking about this in this episode. All right. All right, all right, here we go. Just a second. Quote number one. That's discrim- discrimination, jerkoid. Prescription is drugs, which you're on if you think you're getting in here. Any idea? Or you want the second one? Second one, please. Second one, Okay. Where the hell am I supposed to find silver bullets? Kmart? Uh, Army of Darkness. No. All right, last one. You got to get this. Bogus. Bogus. Oh, Monster Squad. There we go. Yay. He got it in three quotes. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. everybody welcome back to a bit of fun with emily it's me your host emily i am glad you're here so this is season two where we're talking about 80s and 90s kids movies we grew up loving and sometimes fearing and this is our last movie in the 80s movies conversation next week you'll get to hear my brother and sister-in-law on uh, my younger brother nathan and my sister-in-law abby so they will be joining me and then we'll dive into nine different 90s movies which is going to be really cool but for today this one I watch every October, It, along with, you know, Casper and Hocus Pocus. This is on the list of must-watches that felt awkward that I um, I do pop in every Halloween season because I love it. It's one I grew up watching, and I think I grew up watching and loving it because there were some bad words in it, and I was like, I'm getting away with something because my parents are letting me watch this movie, and there's some bad words in it. But, you know, as I go back and watch some of these 80s movies, there's bad words in a lot of them, and they're just rated PG, which is a wonderful conversation to have at some point. Um, but this, of course, is the Monster Squad. I I don't think I was scared of it as a kid. There maybe have been, was a, a moment or two um, that made me uncomfortable, but it wasn't. I love it because it has a Halloween feel because of all of the monsters, but it's not scary. I don't like scary, to be honest. Um, I was trying to think the other day of the last scary movie that I went to at the theater. And it's been years, literal years, because I just can't handle it. If I do watch a scary movie, it's at my house in the middle of the day so that there's plenty of sunshine left. And then I can maybe watch some, you know, Friends or The Nanny, because that's one that I like to put on if I just need not to be scared. How random is that? It's so random. Um, but but I can then get whatever I've just watched out of my system. Uh, I do remember watching The Quiet Place in my house on one of those sunny days, and there were some kids playing outside, and I almost started to scream at them to shut up because we were going to get taken. But So I, I'm not a horror person, but this one is just the perfect... I like horror comedy, though. I do like horror comedy. I like zombies. I love Shaun of the Dead. So if it's a horror comedy where it's more about the comedy and less about the horror, we'll go with that. I like that. Anyway, let's just dive into some lazy internet research. So the Monster Squad is an affectionate tribute to Universal's iconic horror movies of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So they bring in Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman. So the studio, though, Universal decided to pass on producing the film which then was ultimately picked up by TriStar. And in order to avoid copyright infringement with the monsters, they had to get kind of creative with the look of them. 
this is why we have Dracula, who um, doesn't have any Lugosi-esque Widow's Peak. Uh, Frankenstein's monster's neck bolts have kind of migrated to his temples. And the Wolfman has kind of pointy ears and, and more of a face as opposed to an actual wolf. You can tell maybe that it was it was a man at some point. And he, he runs around in jeans, which I just think is funny. So also the... Actor Duncan Regeer, I'm saying his name wrong. I know, I apologize. He beat out Liam Neeson for the role of Dracula. I think that would have drastically changed the movie had Liam Neeson been in it. Maybe not at the time because Liam Neeson wasn't a big thing back in 1980-whatever. But now watching, it would be awkward to see Liam Neeson in it. Of course, every time I turn on the movie Kroll, which is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, when I see both Hagrid and Aslan running around, um, it brings me joy. So maybe I would have liked Liam Neeson as Dracula. I don't know. Tom Noonan, who played Frankenstein in the movie, made it a point to never greet the young stars with anything more than a grunt, and he never let them see him without his monstrous makeup. He just wanted them to know him as Frankenstein. In fact, the young actress um, who played Phoebe not that long ago in an interview said that she just finally, after 20-some years, met Tom Noonan himself, (laughs) which I thought was fascinating and hilarious. So the movie was released on August 14th, 1987. There we go. And it was both a commercial and critical flop, which makes me sad. It was had a budget of around $12 million, but it had a it grossed um in US and Canada only about just under 4 million, so not great. Not great at all. Andre Gower and Robbie Kiger. So Andre is Sean and Robbie is Patrick. They were film friends in real life before filming and Gower campaigned to the producers to hire Kiger in the best friends role of Patrick, which I think is adorable. Um, Dustin Diamond had a small role as a kid who tries to trade basketball cards with the boys, but this was later cut out. Thank goodness. I feel like that would have been awkward. Jason Hervey wears a... So that is um, EJ, the bully. He wears a Walter Payton shirt in the movie, while his on-screen brother from the Wonder Years, Fred Savage, wears a Walter Payton jersey in The Princess Bride. I wonder if that was planned. Probably not. I don't know. But that's all I got for lazy internet research. Let's, you know what, let's just go ahead and dive in to our spoiler-filled walkthrough of the movie. So here we go, the Monster Squad. We are introduced to the movie right off the bat with some text on a screen. And I have mixed feelings about a movie that starts with a reading assignment. Yes, I'm a person that loves to read. And yes, I now watch all media with the closed captions on. But scrolling text that you have to hurry to comprehend before it disappears off the screen isn't my favorite way to introduce a viewer to a story. Looking at you, Star Wars. I do get it, though. Don't come at me. I get it. It's necessary to to provide, you know, context and backstory without adding an additional 30 or so minutes to the film. But I definitely prefer voiceover narration to having to read. End of rant. (laughs) Sorry. So the movie starts with an epilogue of sorts. It's 1880, something in Transyl, you know, somewhere in Transylvania, where Abraham von Helsing is attempting to rid the world of vampires. He fails. 
Uh, maybe it was his choice of virgin. Maybe it was the fact that he attacks the vampires on their home turf. Maybe it's because he didn't bring nearly enough people with him. He had one carriage and four men and a couple of dogs, and that was it. But it's probably that Van Helsing didn't wait to perform this mystical ritual that he does until Dracula was standing in front of him. Um, so the idea is they read some words in German holding this amulet. The amulet opens a black vortex into limbo and all the baddies get sucked up into the vortex. But he did not wait for Dracula to show up, which I, I wonder why. How, if if Dracula is not there, how does he get sucked up into the vortex? Uh, either way, the vampire gets to live, so to speak, another day. So this is the first of many questions that I have with this movie. It's going to sound, I fear, that I don't like this movie because of all of the unanswered questions and plot holes uh, that I realized were happening as I was doing my rewatch. But I love this completely. Um... So we're just, just know that going into this, know that going in a quick side aside about Dracula. Um, I was very, not afraid. I was, um, maybe a little intimidated of this particular portrayal as a child. There's something wild and violent about this man's eyes. <laughs> but now as I sat down to watch it, all I see is a very fancy man walking around in a tuxedo and a cape looking like he maybe wants to go to the opera. So how things change when you get older. So after this horribly failed historical event, we fast forward a hundred years to a principal's office where these two young guys, Sean and Patrick, have gotten in trouble for drawing pictures of monsters during class. They are smooth talkers. Um, this principal wants to be everybody's friend. So he's like, it's cool. Monsters are cool. He is very condescending towards them in a way um but they get off they doesn't seem like they have detention or anything they just got they got their hands slapped and they can go about their business it's also pretty obvious that they are like just obsessed smart mouths who absolutely you're just absolutely gonna love and i do love them i don't know if i could be friends with sean um i would want to i it goes back to that i, I would rather just kind of follow him around and see what shenanigans he was going to get up to, I guess. I don't know. So as they banter back and forth, walking down the hallway, making fun of a teacher who they think looks like a cat, we um, then flash to outside where we meet Horace, a.k.a. Fat Kid, who is minding his own business outside, taking a stroll, enjoying a candy bar, when he gets stopped by EJ and Derek, the school bullies, who tear his comic book and then do a pathetic job of beating him up. Not that I wanted him to them to do a good job of it, but as bullies go, EJ is a bit of a wimp. I mean, he's barely smacking Horace. Uh, just interesting. Horace, though, is saved when Rudy, the local, <laughs> the local cool kid, dressed in a leather jacket and penny loafers, smoking a cigarette and riding a bicycle. He, I mean, he looks like he's straight out of the fifties. It's very possible that he thinks he's the Fonz. Or Danny Zuko. I don't know which. But so he rides up on his bicycle, just kind of glares at EJ as he's smoking a cigarette, forces him to pick it up and take a bite of the candy mart that he had smacked out of Fat Kid's hand and stomped on. So now we see that Horace and Rudy are friends. So we we're very slowly meeting all of the members of the Monster Squad, if you haven't guessed that yet. 
Sean and Patrick, meanwhile, are then walking home from school when they're joined by Sean's little sister, Phoebe. There's almost a little rascals vibe going on here with the distinct impression that, you know, boys rule, girls drool. He just doesn't want her around. It's a very sibling thing. I get that. But Sean, you're going to see a couple times where he's just kind of a horrible brother. He's not great. The The two boys, though, are still going on about monsters when the trio then stops in front of a large home with an overgrown yard. Uh, the location of the scary German guy. Don't worry. It's going to come into play in a bit. It's very, you know, coincidental and just an ex machina situation almost that living just down the street is a German guy who can translate German. Just saying. And then Horace catches up and asks if Rudy can join the monster squad. This cool kid from junior high. And that's how they describe him. Junior high kid, right? Which means that Sean and Patrick and Horace are all in like elementary school. Or at least sixth grade. So these are youngins. Why would, why would an upperclassman in junior high who thinks he's, you know, hot stuff... Want to hang out with a bunch of little kids to talk about monsters? That was beyond me. I, I don't, that, see, look, another unanswered question. We're just kicking this off. Uh, but as you come to find out, he really gets into it because he's actually a pervert. <laughs> they decide that he, I'm not laughing that he's a pervert, but it's, <laughs> it, gets, it just cracks me up. So they decide that he can join as long as he passes the monster test. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, we transition to a cargo plane carrying a mysterious package. We've got these two pilots that one just hates this particular job that they're having to do. The other was like, hey, why are you complaining? We don't have any passengers. We're just flying cargo around, dude. This is an easy job. kind of like them a lot. I wish they were in the movie more. But then all of a sudden, they hear a, a noise in the back. And the, the guy who is not loving the job, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go check out what's going back there i'm gonna go investigate and that's where he runs into dracula who just punches this pilot in the face wouldn't you think that a monster notorious for the drive to suck a human's blood would you know like bite him instead but punching him in the face is it was unexpected it was unexpected so then the pilot freaks out and he grabs a hold of the lever that opens the cargo door in the bottom of the plane the crate that is back there falls out of the plane. Um, I don't know parts of planes. I'm sorry. And then Dracula, who was standing over that location as well, this this poor frightened man just sees this hovering, tuxedo-wearing, cape-flying man turn into a bat and fly away. So he... I don't know. <laughs> That's all we get of the pilots. We know that the crate falls into a swamp, which is very convenient so it doesn't break open and, and you know, destroy the contents inside. Um, and then the bat flies down and is hanging out on a tree just looking at the swamp. Then we transition and we're in the middle of the Monster Squad headquarters, a rather humongous treehouse where they're testing Rudy's monster knowledge. He's... He knows most of the answers, um, answers them pretty quickly. He's intent, though, on he notices there's a window. It's the biggest treehouse ever. There's a window, and he has a pair of binoculars. And so instead, he notices that he can see um, 
a house nearby where there's a girl changing clothes, standing in her underwear. Um, you know, this is the per pervert part. He's very pervy. So he's watching this young teenage girl undress. We also um, get to meet Eugene, who's like maybe five years old. And that's the truth. He has to be like five or six years old. There's no way he's in fifth or sixth grade with Sean and Patrick. He actually looks like he's the same age as Phoebe, Sean's sister. So he he looks to me like he's probably in kindergarten. This kid is little, and he's got this dog named Pete. How How did he become a part of this group? Why did they allow this very small child to join the Monster Squad? It's it's never explained, but I believe that is the prequel that we should all get to see is how this, this group actually got together because there's lots of questions there. Sean, they do argue a little bit. Um, they ask Rudy how to kill a werewolf. He says silver bullets, and they're like, no, what's the other way? And he's like, there is no other way, and they argue about that for a while. And then Sean gets called to dinner and heads home where he finds an old bo book that his mom picked up in an estate sale at this old scary plantation apparently or something she finds this this old book and it just so happens i mean he's over the moon somehow his mom managed to listen to his ramblings about monsters enough to know that something from dr abraham von helsing would be a, a good find turns out it's his diary uh but it's in german never fear I'm guessing you can figure out who can help with that later. So now Sean is in possession of Van Helsing's diary. Just a, a key piece thing to understand. Then we cut to Dracula who's driving around in a retro car, still in his cape. Uh, let's talk about that for a brief moment. How did Dracula learn to drive? There's lots of questions here. Number one, how did Dracula learn to drive? How did he get the car? Number two. Number three, one would sus suspect that he has had some kind of interaction with modern-day humans to complete both of those tasks. And yet he's done nothing to blend in because he's still wearing his tux and fancy cape. So what do you think people are thinking about this gentleman? How did he... And he, he speaks English. <laughs> How did he learn English? Number four, why is he driving if he can turn into a bat and fly around? And we get... His ominous first line, though, as he's standing on a hill overlooking the city, he just says, let it begin. And then there's a well-timed clap of thunder and a bolt of lightning, and the tone is set. So we know that all of these pieces are starting to come together. That's when we're back at Sean's house where we get to meet his dad, Dell. Dad is a police officer, a detective. Um, he's getting ready for what looks to be a date night. Turns out it's for marriage counseling. So things are not great in Sean's home at the moment. But then Dell gets a call from his partner um, saying, hey, I need your help. We've got some crazy stuff going on tonight. So skipping out on counseling doesn't sit well with the wife. They'll yell at each other later about it. Uh, then we get a semi-montage of sorts of the gathering of the monsters in town. So we'll do a quick rundown of that. There's a man in the precinct screaming to be locked up because he claims to be a werewolf. A mummy goes missing from a local museum and Dracula calls a meeting in the woods where the three meet and are joined by the Guild Wonder, the creature from the Black Lagoon, who climbs out of the pond swamp that the crate from earlier fell into, bringing the box containing Frankenstein with it. So we've got two, five monsters um, and a very young group of children 
who are obsessed with them. This is all going to go great. Great. More questions to think about. One, did the creature from the Black Lagoon always live in this particular swamp pond? Uh, how did he get, <laughs> how did no one in town notice um, that there was this guild guy walking around? Number two, what brought the mummy to life after it had been chilling in the museum for years? We Was it Dracula? He does have, as we will kind of maybe talk about a little later, some unexpected powers. Uh, at one point, he looks like Thor with lightning, you know, flowing through his body. But what what brought the mummy to life all of a the sudden? There was no ritual that was done um, that seems to have been the catalyst for that particular thing. Number three, uh, one would... Again, presume that the werewolf goes through his transformation every month. So why was he demanding to be locked up this time? Seems interesting. And number four, how does Dracula go traipsing through the woods and not get a spot of mud on his fancy suit? You know, these are the things that come into my brain as I'm watching movies. But we're back at Sean's house. The parents are finally yelling at one another. Mom's upset that they're not a priority. Dad's upset that she can't seem to figure out that he's a cop and he's trying to help people. Uh, Sean is watching a um, a movie on the roof. He can use binoculars and a radio to watch what's happening at the drive-in movie theater. That ends. He goes down into the kitchen and he sees a note left for him from his mom. It looks like somebody named Dr. Alucard called uh, and is interested in the Van Helsing book and is willing to pay him for it. So Sean is curious about the name and sits down at the table with a scrap of paper and tackles it like it's an anagram, shifting the letters around until he realizes it's just written backwards. The name is Dracula. Not sure how Dracula knew Sean has the journal, but that's just another, you know, one of my questions. And Sean is sufficiently creeped out. Understandably so. Sort of. If you believe monsters are real and and he does, and to think that Dracula was coming after you, that would give you pause. Then we're at Eugene's house, you know, the infant that is in the monster squad. He goes and wakes his parents up because there's a monster in his room. This fear seems to be a common occurrence. Why a kid who is scared of monsters is in a monster club seems odd but this time he's like there's a monster in my room the dad goes he's like "Ooh, monsters come out come out and he's like you're not sleeping with us tonight go back to bed he goes it's in my closet so the dad opens the closet you see the mummy standing there why the mummy came into his house is never explained either um, but he sneaks out the mummy does um and then we are in the treehouse <laughs> Sean is called an emergency midnight meeting. And Eugene is there. This five-year-old snuck out of his house. I don't know how old he is. Maybe he's older than five, but he looks five and he acts five. <sighs> it doesn't make sense. So he tells them that Dracula has tried to get a hold of him and goes into the cases his father dealt with that evening about the werewolf in the precinct and the mummy missing from the museum. And Eugene was like, mummy was in my house. <laughs> And the town has, you know, they have a monster problem they need to deal with. So they're like, we, we've got to take care of this. Then we flash to Dracula's house, which is a plantation that he seems to have owned for a long time, maybe. Uh, again, would he not have had to have some interaction with humans? And did he dress in the tuxedo and cape when that happened? I hope so. 
He opens the secret door and goes into the basement where he's trapped Frank in a cell. There he gives him a mission to go find and take the Van Helsing book away from the kids with the permission to kill them if necessary. So the boys have the mission to stop the monsters. Frank has the mission to find the kids to steal the diary. The next morning, Sean, Patrick, and Horace head over to Scary German Guy's house to see if he'll help translate the book. While they're taking care of that, Phoebe is playing alone by a pond. Seems dangerously unsupervised. Some poor parenting choices being made. And you get a glimpse of Frank's feet approaching. So Frank finds them very quickly. Very quickly. Back at the German's house, he's feeding the guy's pie and reading them a book about the amulet and the balance of good and evil. The amulet is a talisman that wards off evil and is vulnerable at midnight every hundred years. If it's destroyed on that evening, then the balance shifts to evil. But if a ceremony is performed, you know, that one that Van Helsing failed so miserably at in the prologue with his virgin, a hole into limbo will open and a vortex will suck the baddies into nothingness forever. Thank goodness for the guys, the ceremony is described in detail. Unfortunately, the next evening evening is exactly 100 years from Van Helsing's attempt. So, you know, they've got a lot of work to do to get ready. They need to find the amulet and figure out how to kill a lot of monsters. So they wander around talking about it and realize that in order to complete the ceremony, they're going to need a virgin. So who would a lot of elementary age kids go to for help? Well, of course, their super cool new club member who is in middle school. So they ask Rudy. He does a spit take. And uh, then we have the group heading back to the treehouse to work out a plan. Um, and that's where they meet a surprise. The, the tiny unsupervised child was befriended by a monster. And the boys run away and hide behind, you know, foliage, which is definitely going to protect them. And while Phoebe, you know, just kind of grabs his hand and is like, calls the boys chicken shit, which I always kind of enjoyed. Uh, she's a sassy little one. It also earns her a place in the monster squad. She is allowed in the in the club, which I liked. Turns out Frank is a good guy and takes a liking to the kids. In a very meta moment, they hand him a monster Halloween mask with his likeness, and he realizes that his appearance is meant to be scary, and that upsets him. Um, then they all go walking off into the sunset. You would think they'd want to keep a low profile, especially when they decide not to get any rational adults involved in the situation, but no. A stroll down the middle of the street seems like a good idea, and I'm sure it didn't catch the attention of any nosy neighbors. No one probably noticed this. So that evening, we're back at the plantation where Dracula is once again rooting around in the basement. He unearths another secret room, and then in the middle of that room is the amulet from the book. So I think we're supposed to believe that the plantation was actually owned by some of Van Helsing's groupies, his disciples. And Dracula has just found this location. How it got from Transylvania to the U.S. and trapped in a basement um, is never explained. And how did Dracula know it was there? I mean, just like the number of licks it takes to get the to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop, the world may never know. I don't know. Instead of actually finishing the job, though, of taking down the wall to get to the an amulet, Drac just thinks it's, you know, a good idea to just leave the hole in the stone and go about his business. Then we get a montage set to one of my favorite 80s montage songs, Rock Until You Drop. Look it up sometime if you've not heard it. Eugene, who is apparently not old enough to be in school, writes a letter to the Army for help. That's his contribution. Patrick makes business cards. 
because that seems like the best way to get ready for the monster invasion. Rudy is on top of things. He melts silver spoons in shop class and makes bullets. And then he steals bows and arrows, you know, to fend off vampires and make some stakes. Sean and Patrick study a map to try to figure out where the amulet is located. And the song ends with Frank looking at pervy pictures that Rudy took of the scantily clad woman from the treehouse window. Back at Dracula's house again, he's stoked about the evening. He's got the werewolf who's a human at the moment tied to a chair. And then he heads to a closet to go molest and feed off some women. The werewolf being resilient gets out of the bondage and makes his way to a payphone where he calls Dell at work. The monster man tells Dell the address of the plantation house and tells him to get there right away. The cop is skeptical, understandably so. Uh, but while, the werewolf is transforming into a wolf over the phone. He growls out that Dracula is going to kill Sean. That's enough to get Dell motivated to, to do something. That's when we see the monster squad in action. Rudy and Patrick are interviewing the latter's sister to find out if she's a virgin. <laughs> While Sean, Eugene, and Horace, they brought Eugene and Pete <sighs> and Frank. They're headed to the plantation to look for the amulet. Blackmail with the lingerie photos is used on the virgin front while Frank steps to get starts to get nervous over, over at the mansion because he senses that Dracula is near. That doesn't stop Sean, though. He just dives headlong into danger as they enter the front parlor. Dracula sets off some dynamite in the basement trying to get to the amulet. It forces part of the house above to collapse, trapping frank under the debris so the monster they brought along for support their muscle is now out of contention here as they try to get him out werewolf sneak sneaks up behind them there's a lot of screaming and a swift kick to the nards taking him out of commission um so that is was always my favorite part of the movie kick him in the nards and they like, wolf man doesn't have nards kick him in the nards. <laughs> It's the little things. So the boys go racing through the maze of the house and stumble upon the recently made vampiruses uh, before being cornered between them, Dracula, and the werewolf. Luckily, they stop at the entrance of the secret doorway. And because they read Hardy Boys novels, they're sure there's a way that they they can get. There has to be a secret latch somewhere. They find it. They go tumbling into the basement right next to the amulet. Sean immediately climbs through the hole that Dracula just made with the dynamite and grabs the talisman by sheer luck and a piece of pizza. The boys escape and go rushing through the woods where they picked up. They're picked up by the very scary German guy and Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe had, you know, decided, Hey, we need an actual adult here with us. And so she goes and picks up the scary German guy who just takes this small child without parental consent. It just so happens that Rudy Patrick and the Virgin come rolling up on their bikes at the same time everybody hops into the german's jeep and go they decide you know what we've got to do the ritual let's go to the center of town to the church we'll be safe in a church makes sense uh scary german guy um you know goes speeding down the road and then standing in front of him is the mummy the mummy grabs hold to the back of the truck and then starts to come after phoebe uh rudy then ties an end of the bandage, the mummy's bandage to an arrow shoots the arrow actually hits a tree. The likelihood of that happening seems very slim, but it then unravels the mummy who is no longer a threat in any capacity. So he, he didn't get to do a whole lot in this movie. 
Meanwhile, Dell is racing to the plantation with his partner because of the werewolf's warning when Dracula then drives his car right through theirs. It's like a ghost car. And they turn around and follow him to the treehouse, which he blows up with some more dynamite. He very nonchalantly throws another stick of dynamite under the cop car, blowing up the partner too. Dell attempts to shoot, but the bullets do no harm. Um, and then he watches him. It kind of reminded me when that happened, though, that he shoots and you don't even see anything. He doesn't even flinch like the bullets hit him. And I was like, oh, he must be on the path of the brave, just like Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> uh, too many 80s movies all at one time, guys. I think that's it. So then um, he turns into a bat and starts to fly away. So Dell has now seen that there's monsters. And right at that time, too, Dell's wife comes out of the house completely unfazed by two explosions and a couple of gunshots she's just like what's going on and then they realize you know our kids aren't home no because they're with another adult <laughs> time for another quick rundown for the last quarter of the movie so the church is locked and they're stuck doing the ceremony out in the open scary german guy attempts to get the virgin sister to read the ritual words Rudy goes Rambo and kills the three vampiresses with some wooden stakes. Dell arrives, shoots Bat Dracula, who dive bombs. They actually have the sound of what sounds like a, a jet diving um, into a building, and Dell races up to go finish that job. That's when a werewolf sneaks up behind him and beats him up. But Dell shoves dynamite into the monster's pants and pushes him out a window. He explodes. Turns out sister isn't a virgin and no limbo when she completes the ritual. So they decided to have Phoebe give it a whirl. So now this scary German guy is like, repeat after me saying the actual words and Phoebe's doing the ritual. The werewolf pieces himself together and heads after Rudy who shoots him with silver bullets he made in shop class. Finally ending that monster's misery, but also making Rudy feel especially good about himself because that was the only way to kill the werewolf. Creature from the Black Lagoon pops out of a manhole cover and goes after Horace, who grabs a cop's rifle and shoots him. Dracula that comes in looking like Thor. He's channeling lightning and it's going all over his body and he heads after Phoebe in the amulet, but Frank arrives and stops him. Unfortunately, Frank impales the vampire on metal stakes and not wood. So his reign of terror over isn't over quite yet. Um, he also uses, as he's approaching Phoebe, back to like these weird powers. The, the lightning is one that I've never seen with Dracula. But then at one point, he also holds up his hands and this beam of light hits the scary German guy. So apparently he is also like a super saiyan. I don't know. With Frank's support, Phoebe finishes the ceremony, kickstarting Limbo in the vortex. Dracula grabs Sean as he's getting sucked into the vortex, but they skid past a wooden stake with the monster squad leader. He uses that to stab the vampire. And then all of a sudden Van Helsing is there and pulls Dracula into Limbo. There's there's some questions. Was was Van Helsing just living in limbo? But how did he get out of limbo? Let's not question it. And then the army rolls into town with their tanks to help because of a handwritten letter by a very small child. And the kids start handing out their business cards while a rap song grooves us into the credits. The end. You know, it just doesn't get better than that. As much as I love Casper and Devin Sawa saying, you know, can I keep you at the end? I think, and I love Hocus Pocus too. I, 
uh, it's a hard call which movie I like better in Halloween, The Monster Squad or Hocus Pocus. But this one just gets to me. I think it's the fact that these kids didn't back down. They could have. They could have um, gone to an adult. They could have, you know, just hidden. He could have laid the diary out onto the, <laughs> the sidewalk and then, you know, just kind of hidden. But no, they stood up to these creatures. They were thoughtful um kind of foolhardy but that's okay and i i think it's a it's a decent life lesson the idea that you know no matter how small you are you can make a big impact that there are monsters out there uh the scary german guy makes a comment that he's already met some monsters and then you see um a tattoo um kind of letting you know that he was a part of the Holocaust. So that there's there's monsters, there's real monsters and universal monsters out there um, that you just got to stand up to because keeping the balance of good on the good side is is important. That's a terrible life lesson. You should also really get adults involved in things, maybe. Right. And, and know where your children are. That should be the, the main lesson. So that's it. That's a wrap up. As for character recasting, no, don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's perfect the way it is. Does this or did this need a sequel? I think I would like to see not an immediate sequel, but like the kids reunited now would be a lot of fun. What if somehow the limbo vortex reopened? And the Monster Squad had to reunite. Sadly, Horace would not be there because he, um, that young actor, died at a very young age in his early 20s, I believe, because of pneumonia, which is a very sad story. But they, they can do a callback to him somehow. But to bring this group back together where they have to fight the monsters again, I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I would probably watch that. Rewatchability? Yes. Pick your time of year. It doesn't matter. I like to do things thematically so this fits very well into October but pick your time and just make this a part of your life you know in the summer I have Sandlot in October I have Casper and Hocus Pocus and um, the Monster Squad in early fall I also really like you've got mail you know December we've got Love Actually and then all of the Christmas movies just pick your time and make that a part of your movie watching rituals I think we all need movie watching rituals but what do you think of the Monster Squad have you seen the Monster Squad I sure hope so um, if you haven't try watching it this October and let me know what you think because I, I love it. And if you don't love it, that's cool. You know, we don't all have to love the same things. We should because there's some really awesome things out there. But um, there's a lot of things I don't love. So I think that's fine too. I'm rambling now. But that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be very kind of you to rate and review the podcast. Preferably only if it's nice. If you want to you can follow me on instagram and twitter at at gnome girl m and on facebook is a bit of fun with emily every i usually just kind of promote the podcast my newsletter just keeps swimming and then i do a fun post on wednesdays where right now i'm doing some 80s themed would you rathers um, but we'll also have questions of the week or um, different list themed lists so check those out those are on facebook and instagram Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.